Morning. Um, if you're like me, you like a good story. You know, I, I like to have a good uh, kid's story. I think the Gruffalo is probably one of those which we're, we're all quite familiar with. Um, for our family, it was the Troublesome Pig. Now, I don't know if any of you know about the Troublesome Pig, but the Troublesome Pig is the story of an old woman who bought a pig at the market and uh, she tries to get it home so they could have tea that night. And it tells the story of all the troubles she has to try and get this pig to move and go over the stile. I I told it to our children, I told it to our grandchildren, and the thing is, I get quite animated when I tell this story. I I could almost probably repeat it off by heart right now. Go on, you say, go on. Well... It starts, it starts like, like this. So she's bought the pig, and she says, Please, dog, bite my pig. The pig will jump over the stile, and we should get home tonight. But would the dog bite the pig? No, it would not. Bother, 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 said the old woman. And, um, and I could go on and on and on, but I'll spare you. I'll spare you the trouble. But today we're starting a new series called The Stories That Jesus Told. And the thing is, stories stick in your mind, don't they? Um, The troublesome pig sticks in my mind. Even I I get the occasional uh, uh, text from one of my grandchildren saying, just thinking about the troublesome pig. And then they have this vision of me getting more and more animated and excited as uh, the story goes on. But stories stick in in our minds. And Uh, The books of Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, they're known as the synoptic gospels. And that's because they tell the sequence of the various stories in the life of Jesus. And they were written to give an account of Jesus' life and message and to show that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And each of the three gospels has many of the stories, or as they're uh, familiarly known, the parables, the stories which Jesus told. And and basically, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, if you like. It's the way that Jesus used to to cover spiritual truths in a way that we'd remember them, which is probably why we we will be quite familiar when we hear the stories and the parables. Oh, I remember that. Even if you were at school, perhaps touched some of them, those things stick in your mind. And... uh, The disciples actually asked in Matthew 13, it says the disciples asked this obvious question. Why do you talk in parables? And Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. What it means is is this, that uh, those who are eagerly seeking God and wanted to know more, like the disciples, then he would reveal the kingdom to them through these parables, through these stories. And he would enable them to understand. But those who like, stubbornly refuse to believe, it's like a fog. It's like a secret code. And they can't understand it. For those who are Jesus' enemies, and he had enemies when uh, he, he walked this earth. He had the Pharisees, you know, the religious uh, Um, teachers of the law who saw Jesus as a threat and to them they stubbornly did not want to know anything about the kingdom and to them the parables were a mystery but Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount not to cast pearls before pigs 
a bit like my troublesome pig. You see, there's a parable in that story yet. And uh, they stubbornly refused to believe. And Jesus' enemies were out to trick him up. But to the disciples, those who are seeking God, the parables have got lots of spiritual truth and heavenly meaning. And unwillingness on the part of the people to receive Jesus' message of the kingdom was the reason that he, he taught in parables. But the truths of the kingdom of God were heard but not understood. But by those who were seeking the kingdom and wanted to know, they stuck in their mind and amazing spiritual truths would come out of them. And we're going to discover that over uh, the next few weeks as we, we touch on this, uh, this series through to the beginning of September. So today we're going to start to look at two verses in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 45. And um, you can follow it with me. I've entitled it, Jesus is Priceless. And we're going to read this together and we will see why that is the case. So let's, let's read it through. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Two simple verses, but actually loads of truth in those verses, which we're going to look at this morning. And when Jesus gave these stories, these parables... Um, he did it in the context of the day so that people would immediately understand what he was getting at. And his list- listeners would see, yeah, I know what you mean. So when he gave these stories, he was, he was doing it in a way which made absolute sense. So for us, some 2,000 years later, it may not be quite so familiar. So it would be helpful if I just go, I think, a bit in the background of, of what was going on here. So... In the first parable, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, the Jews and their Roman authorities followed a system of property rights. And in that day, a field meant that its owner was amongst the most wealthy. And that's because whoever owned the field had the right to determine how it would be used and to sell whatever it produced. And in an agricultural society, that field was very valuable. Um, So places like Judea, where Jesus was was teaching and and preaching, fields were the source of revenues and great riches. Sadly, that's not quite the case today, as uh, those farmers amongst us here will tell you that farming isn't quite the, the, the rich thing that it might have been in those days. But in Jesus' day, if you owned a field, you were pretty rich. So Jesus is saying, this field's not cheap. So at the outset, there's this field. It isn't a cheap field. It's an expensive field. It's worth a lot of money. And then a man stumbles across treasure in this field. Now, who that man was, we don't know. Probably he might have been a farm worker on very low wages, and he's plowing the field. And suddenly he comes across this hidden treasure. And he sees this and thinks, wow, This is worth a lot. What's he do? He immediately buries it, hides it, and rushes off to see if he can buy the field. Now, you might think, hey, that ethically sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? 
Uh, shouldn't he be told the owner of the field he's found this treasure? Well, in Jesus' day, what, they were, what was being said here, they wouldn't have seen it that way. They'd have seen that Jesus is trying to get at the main point, which is that this is a pretty priceless field. But even that being the case, there's some school of thought in the rabbi thinking of the law that, a tr- that whoever finds the treasure, it's, it's theirs. So don't worry too much about the ethics. Jesus is not trying to be unethical. He's trying to make a point that not only is this field valuable because of its agricultural value, but actually it's priceless because there's this this hidden treasure. So the man goes off and does all he can to to buy the field. Now now you hear these stories of people who stumble across hidden treasure. Um, If you were back in May and down at Priory Park, you might have seen there was a dig going on. And in previously in Priory Park, they've discovered great luxurious Roman artifacts. Uh, uh, wealthy owners apparently live there. And um, you don't know yet what they might yet discover. Now, if you're thinking, I fancy buying, buying Priory Park, so I might find a hidden treasure, forget it. I don't think Chichester Council will, will sell it to you. But there's always that possibility. There may yet be undiscovered treasure right beneath our feet. So Jesus is saying in this parable, this is a priceless field. And no one knows about it apart from the man who's discovered the treasure. And so what does he do? He tells no one. He rushes away and he goes off and, and, and sells all his possessions, doing whatever he possibly can to buy that field. Now, I know that some of you like Dragon's Den. Um, not particularly one of my uh, favorite programs, but some of you do. And if you put it into a... a, a up-to-date context, if you like. It's like someone who's got this investment which they, they bring before for the dragons and say, look, I think this is worth 500000 And then the dragons themselves think, actually, we can see this is really profitable and it's more like $5 billion. We're talking about that sort of a picture which Jesus is trying to portray, that this is worth a lot of money. So he buys the field and he makes a fortune. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then the second parable, uh, he starts with the word again. Now, you, you, another way we might say it is, you might actually say, well, to say it another way, the kingdom of heaven is like this. That, that's what Jesus is saying here. To say it another way, the kingdom of heaven is like a man seeking, a merchant seeking fine pearls. Now, merchants in those days were the middlemen in the economic system of the day. And in the ancient world, merchants bought and acquired goods either directly from the producers or from caravans. Um, you know, not caravans that you go to uh, a commission festival in, but uh, processions where they sold their, their possessions. Okay? So they were selling these fine things, and uh, this, this merchant was seeking fine pearls. And one day, he's looking over the, the, the wares of the sellers, and the merchant discovers one pearl of great value. And this pearl is very, very costly. Apparently ridiculously undervalued is what you, you'd get from this, this parable. And so what's the, the merchant do? He recognizes it, and he says, I'm going to do all I can to buy this priceless pearl. And so he shrewdly cashes in all his entire stock, desperate to get hold of this pearl. If you watched the Antiques Roadshow last week, I don't know if anyone does, but you'd have seen that there was some pearls. And uh, there was this one tiny little pearl. And 
It was valued at 200,000 pounds. Priceless pearl. Jesus is making the point to his disciples that giving up everything for the sake of the kingdom is exceedingly a great bargain. Knowing Jesus is priceless. That's the emphasis of these two short parables. His worth is beyond our comprehension. That's what he's trying to get across to his listeners. This was truly radical teaching to which Jesus was looking for a radical response. So what were we to learn from it? Well, I just want to bring out five points. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to take too long. I want to bring out five points, and then I want us to come back into worship and to worship this God, Jesus, who is absolutely priceless, who we've been worshiping, worshiping this morning. So the first point, the kingdom is available for all who believe. The parables fundamentally describe two, uh, two different ways in which we can come to faith. Some of you would be like the man who found the hidden treasure. You weren't looking for God, but suddenly you stumbled upon him. Now, there may be some of you here who were invited to an Alpha course by a friend, and you heard the gospel for the first time. You weren't looking, you heard it, or perhaps you came along to Little Bears. I know there's some of you who have done that. You came along to Little Bears discovered that this is a different sort of parent-toddler group to one you've been before. Why are these people like this? What is there to learn? And you'd stumble upon Jesus, who has changed lives. Um, perhaps you came along to uh, other events, or whatever happened, you just suddenly you stumbled across this great treasure, Jesus. When you heard the gospel, your life was turned upside down because you never realized there was a God who cared about you. That's like the, the, the man in the field. Then other of you will be like the merchant. You've been seeking God all your life. You've been searching and searching and searching. You've perhaps followed this religion or you've followed something else. You're looking and looking, what is going to fulfill me? And then you discover Jesus and he changes and transforms your life. In a sense, for me, it Strangely enough, it was a, a bit of a cross between the two. I'd always had a sort of an element of belief in God, but never really understood the gospel until a friend at school brought me along to his baptism. I was at the age of 19. There are 500 people in this building worshipping God. And then uh, the pastor, at the end of his, the, uh, the sermon, gives a call to say, anyone who wants to follow Jesus, get out of your seat right now. And something happened within me. I found myself in front of 500 people, embarrassingly walking out the front, finding I was the only one there. But God had got a hold of my life. And it was a bit like I'd stumbled upon a Jesus who I never knew was there. It was a bit like that for me. You all have your own story. The thing is about the pearl is, is it genuine? So when you see these pearls on, on uh, the Antiques Roadshow and things like that, you're asking, is it, how do they know it's genuine? How do you know? Well, when it comes to understanding, how do we know that the gospel is true? How do we know the kingdom of heaven is priceless? How do we know that Jesus is who he says he is? Well, I mean, there's lots of ways we can, we can find out in terms of, mentioned the Alpha Course, you, you go through things, the reliability of the Bible... The evidence of Jesus' death and resurrection, which really is there, I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, look into it. The evidence of God's design in creation all around us. The fine-tuning of the universe. You know, we're hearing that about global warming at the moment. A few 
a couple of changes in temperature and the whole world is in, is in chaos. God has planned everything perfectly. There's all these things and so much more. Things you can look into. But when the merchant saw the pearl, he knew. When I heard the gospel for the first time, I wasn't asking all these questions. I knew something had happened within me. And there's a story in John's gospel of the man born blind. And uh, all the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law are trying to trick him and say, tell us the truth, who really healed you? Because they didn't believe it was Jesus. And he turns around and says this, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And when I became a Christian, I had all sorts of questions. I thought afterwards people were saying about Adam and Eve. I said, you don't believe in Adam and Eve, do you? I had to go through a whole process of working that one out. But one thing I knew, once I didn't know God and something's happened within me, I've found something which is of priceless and it's changed my life. And when I heard the gospel, it was life transforming. How do we know that this is a pearl of great price? Well, the Spirit himself testifies with us with our spirit, that we are God's children. That's what happened to me. This is what tells us in Romans 8. The Apostle Paul says, the Spirit himself testifies. And there's a nudge. This is a pearl of great price. Religion never did that. Jesus did. And the kingdom of God is available to all who believe. Whether you stumble upon it, or whether you're searching with all your heart, or whether you fall somewhere in between, the kingdom of God is available. Secondly, and we've really hit on this already, the, the kingdom is of unimaginable value. Jesus is absolutely priceless. And I find myself saying, oh, to comprehend this, to know it. Because we sing it on a Sunday morning, and we pray it, but do I really know how priceless Jesus is? How is it? These parables tell us they sold everything, absolutely everything, to gain this pearl of great price or to get this treasure, this, this hidden treasure. That's how priceless the kingdom of God is. Nothing can compare. This world has got nothing to offer which is as valuable as knowing Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, no matter how poor you may be from a material standpoint, this morning... You woke up very rich, very rich in Christ. Look what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It's amazing. Jesus lived a life of total poverty on this earth. He suffered he died that we might be forgiven of sin, that through his poverty we might become rich, so that I now stand and you here who know the Lord Jesus can say, I'm rich in Christ. Look at what he's done for me. And then Paul in Ephesians says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, here's the issue. I'm not sure I have fully grasped how priceless Jesus is. I'm not sure that perhaps any of us have fully grasped how amazing it is to be called children of God. 
Whoever possesses this field with hidden treasure or the pearl of great value is exceedingly rich. And you're exceedingly rich for this reason. Your sins are forgiven. You were in rebellion against God, far from God. And through accepting Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You deserved hell, but you've got heaven. You have been made totally right with God when you were far from God and had no hope. He brought you into a relationship with the the one who's made all of creation. Everything, it's so hard to grasp, isn't it? Everything we see around us, the creation of the world, everything, the one who created it all knows you and has come to you so that you can have a relationship with God himself. I mean, that's hard to grasp, but it's true. He's brought peace that the world can never give. We inherit eternal life. We know joy that is inexpressible. These are all truths which are in Scripture. Joy which is inexpressible. I'm thinking, have I really understood what an inexpressible joy is? I want it. I want to know more of it. The reign of God over all things, triumphing over evil. In your life, you have got someone who loves you and cares for you and has a plan for your life. Nothing is hidden from him. He is for you. He cares about every detail in your life, no matter what you're going through. We sang about the battles. No matter what battles you're going through this morning, you in Christ have someone who cares about your life. And when your life is over, you are going to be brought into eternal blessing in the presence of God for all eternity. Why? Because you either stumbled upon this, this great treasure or you are seeking this pearl of great price and you found it and your life has been transformed because of what Christ has done. We are able to enjoy life as God intended. This is how priceless Jesus is. And I think, oh, that I would understand and know how priceless this one really is. I believe that God wants to do that for us. Then thirdly, the kingdom of God costs us everything. So just as the man and the merchant sell all they have in order to meet the asking price for the field and the pearl, Jesus is saying that when we recognize his surpassing value, it's going to cost us everything. Now, does that mean that we literally go out and sell all our possessions? No. But what it does mean is that we get into the right context that nothing can satisfy us compared to knowing Christ. And our possessions are on loan anyway. Everything that we have is to be used to the glory of Christ. Living for Jesus will cost us everything. And when I, I became a Christian many years ago, I was working for the Ministry of Defense at the time. And I was sponsored through university. And I suddenly thought, should I be, why am I working for an organization which specializes in in killing, should I give up the whole lot? Should I stop there and then and do something totally different? Well, I've got wise counsel because uh, the Apostle Paul also says to stay in the position where you are unless you're doing something which is absolutely um, evil. And uh, we can have debates about that as far as the MOD is concerned. But nevertheless, it made me question everything. What am I living for? And I believe God wants us to have that sort of an encounter with God where we say, You are over everything. I will give everything in order that I might know you. Um, In Matthew 19, 29, 
Jesus says this, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. We may not receive the reward in this life, but we will receive, receive the reward in eternity. Unimaginable. Nothing can compare. Yours and my problem is we haven't fully grasped how glorious this will be. Paul grasped it, the Apostle Paul. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I find that incredible, to think that everything I consider rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. Paul had an encounter with Jesus which was absolutely transformational. Now, let's not underestimate every single one of us when we come to know Christ. It's transformational. But I believe God wants us to know more how priceless Jesus is. Jim Elliott was an American missionary who died in January 1956 at the age of 28, when he and a group of other missionaries were attempting to make contact with an unreached tribe in Ecuador, uh, the Haruni who killed uh, the people he was trying to reach. And as he disembarked, I think it was off the, off the plane, they got onto the beach and they hadn't moved very far before they were uh, mown down and he died. He understood the principle because before he even went on to the beach, he had, had said this, that um, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We cannot keep what we have in this life, the possessions we have in this life, but we can't lose in an eternity in the presence of Jesus. We have got so much to gain. He understood it. Closer to home, uh, Commission is part of a family of churches called uh, a wider family called New Frontiers. Uh, Last year in Cyprus, Many of those apostolic leaders from across the globe uh, gathered together, and there were stories there of persecution in places like Pakistan, in Myanmar, in Ukraine, which we're very familiar with, and in Russia. Believers who are really counting the cost to follow Christ. And when you go through suffering, we we covered that in, in the One Peter series, when you go through suffering, it puts life into perspective. And that actually, right now, there are those who are living for this, saying this world has nothing to compare with knowing Jesus. Jesus is a treasure who costs us our lives. And the Apostle Paul says that we have been bought with a price and our body is not our own. That's what we're living for. That's what we want to know. Fourthly, we need to see the kingdom's true value. No one but the man who discovered the hidden treasure knew it. And the merchant understood the true value of the pearl. And how do we do it? We do it by faith. We have to ask God to reveal himself. When we became believers, we took a step of faith. And there's an ongoing step of faith, I believe, to understand the true worth of who Jesus really is. And then finally, we need to fight against compromise. We have to choose between our earthly treasures and the treasures of the kingdom. It would have been impossible for the, for the man or the merchant 
to have kept either the, uh, the, uh, all their possessions and all their other valuables to buy the field or to buy the pearl. They couldn't have both. And I, I think, actually, we go through daily... I know I do. I go through a daily challenge of what am I living for? It's not necessarily a one-off thing for us, is it? It's an ongoing thing. It has to do with the heart of understanding that Jesus is so priceless that nothing else to live for and run for can be of any value unless it's for the glory of God. Matthew six nineteen to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The treasures that Jesus offers to us are eternal. The treasures that this world offers are temporal. And what I want to do this morning is I I want to personally, I want a fresh encounter with Jesus where I'm able to understand how priceless and beautiful it is, how privileged I am to know him. So if the band could come up. um, And uh, I would... uh, you may be here this morning and you may actually not know Jesus at all. I want to encourage you that God's brought you here because he wants to reveal himself to you. That you may have been searching in your life or you may have come here by accident and stumbled upon this church. Either way, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you that he is worth everything, that he offers us eternal life. And not only that, you see, we can have life in the here and now and life in eternity. Living the Christian life is not boring. It may sound like, well, am I giving up all this for what? You're giving up for something which is priceless and will give you joy and beauty on earth now and glory in eternity to come. So I believe that God wants to reveal himself to us. So if we can stand. I, I, I want us just to... Um, Really be open to the Holy Spirit to come and reveal afresh how beautiful Jesus is, how priceless he is. When, um, when Jesus uh, asked Peter, the, uh, one of the disciples, who does people say that you are, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. We we want the Holy Spirit to reveal to us more and more and more how beautiful, how priceless Jesus is, how wonderful it is to be able to know him. So we're going to sing, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and uh, to fill us afresh.